0: Hello and welcome to the Romantic Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Erin Kiner, a sexuality and spirituality coach and healer. And thank you for joining me on this wild ride together through the realms of sex and healing so that you can expand, heal, and grow sexually and spiritually. Each episode I will entertain and educate you through wild stories from my own life, bring you interviews with interesting people who come into my orbit and empower you into your own liberation through sexuality, where together we can change the world one orgasm at a time. Hello everyone and welcome back. And today's an interesting episode. This is a guest that has been recommended to me by numerous people in my world. We have mutual friends, mutual clients, but we've never actually met. And so I said, why don't we meet via a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so here we are getting to know each other for the first time. I have the beautiful Tara Megan from the Embodied Awakening Academy today. She is a Tantra teacher and Tantra practitioner. So welcome, Tara.
1: Thank you, darling. It's <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's
0: nice to meet you. When I left you a little voice memo on Instagram, it was the first time that I even knew that you're Australian as well. How long have you been in Bali?
1: Yeah, um, three years now. Coming up to three years. Yeah. Any day now, actually. Awesome. Yeah.
0: pre <laughs> That's awesome. Well, welcome. Welcome to Bali. Salamat datang. So, do you want to share a little bit about who you are, how you became a Tantra teacher and practitioner and like what's your the juiciest parts of your story
1: right well I guess I always knew that I have always been a soul seeker of truth and when I finished my degree as a marine ecologist back when I was 21 I literally the day I finished my degree I'm like this isn't what I want to do I want to work with people's (laughs) hearts not with the mind um, but I went on to the honors and PhD and work in that field actually for 17 years wow. and, but, but had kind of my spiritual life on the side. So I spent 10 years on and off in India, studying, teaching, learning with different masters, um, which was amazing. And there was still a missing piece, which was around relationships and sexuality which I would observe in life as being the two energies that are the most in shadow, like how much divorce is there, how much conflict is there in relationships. And then the same with sexuality um, in a societal level as well around the globe. So yeah, kind of Tantra found me. And I'd always been a bit hesitant to get into Tantra because from my understanding as soon as sexuality is in a field, if it's not held with integrity and safety, um, it can go unconscious and shadowy and get leaky. So I just wasn't interested in exposing myself to that risk. And then I met Chantal Raven, who's the teacher, lead teacher and founder of the Embodied Awakening Academy, went to my first Tantric women's circle, had no idea what I was getting myself into. And integrity and safety are my two highest values mm. as a teacher, in a teacher and in a spiritual modality. And I remember driving home that night going, such integrity, such integrity, such integrity. Um, and then I guess fast forward eight years and I work with her, I live with her, I travel with her, you know, on and off for that time period. And he is a teacher who lives what she teaches. So that was that was the first part. And then the second part, it just changed my life. I was, like, addicted to alcohol, um, would use drugs to bypass my emotional body, food, TV. I was on antidepressants. I had so much chronic pain in my body and had done for 20 years, which is why I would use substances to reduce my physical pain. And then was like, hang on a second. I also don't have to feel my emotional pain if I, like, take prescription medication. Um, Yeah, I just wasn't in a happy place with myself. And then when I found this missing piece where the teachings of Tantra just made logical sense to my scientific mind, which I really liked, Mm -hmm. but also touched my heart in such a profound way. And then when I saw how quickly it started to evolve me and addiction started shedding, my relationship started cleaning itself up, and my general kind of like happiness, mood and thirst for life and passion for life started to come online. I was like, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. And so after a few years of just attending every retreat and workshop there was, I, I quit my job and just went, I want to I be a part of this and I want to support in any way that I can. Um, and that's what I've done kind of full time for the last five years. And now I teach with the academy. I um, do one-on-one sessions with the academy, and have done for years. And now I'm supporting myself and Raven. Chantel is supporting other people to come into that teaching field and to come into being a one-on-one practitioner.
0: Amazing! In a magical journey.
1: So,
0: <laughs> I've got two questions for you. One: mm. What's your personal definition of integrity? Like, how how do you define it? How do you know mm. when you found it? And two, what's your personal definition of Tantra?
1: Mm -hmm. Great question. For me, integrity is what someone is speaking, they are doing in their life. Mm. And it's a pretty high bar, high standard to be held to when in the spiritual field or the coaching field as a teacher. And it's not to say perfection. It's two very different things. Integrity for me is someone who has continued to using the tools that they're sharing with others to keep looking and self-reflecting at any part of themselves that's unconscious rather than kind of pushing that to the side and just being like "But I can talk about this but not but not live it and I see Mm. that I see that a lot so live Mm. what live what what you preach is, Mm -hmm. is for me really integrity and then for me tantra is a way of life that really honors life as our greatest teacher and that sees divinity, God, spirit, whatever word you want to put to it, whatever floats your boat, as a thread throughout every one of our life experiences. So rather than saying, this is divine and spiritual and this isn't, can we actually and how do we move from that place where every experience we're having in life, whether it be painful or pleasurable that we're receiving all of that as a divine experience of which we can choose to grow and evolve through. So that way mm-hmm. life becomes life becomes our greatest teachers and what is the most important part of the human experience for most people is relationship. And what's one of mm-hmm. the key parts of relationship is sexuality. So Tantra really uses relationship and sexuality as a pathway to awakening.
0: Mm, amazing I would agree with you integrity is like my highest value also and it's very very hard for me to find teachers that do live up to my standards of integrity mm-hmm. <laughs> same <laughs> I often find that the teachers that I have found in my life are not the ones with the bells and whistles and the big marketing campaigns and all the glitters they're teachers that are actually quite separate from that kind of fame and fortune model of the world they've they're not operating from their ego or in capitalistic ways. And so in many ways they go unseen in society. And that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Often. It's like when you reach that place inside of yourself where you feel like I've got nothing to say and nothing to prove, people will have the experience with me that they're meant to have. If they're looking for integrity, I hope they see integrity. If Someone's looking mm-hmm. for like fame and, self-promotion they're not going to find that in me as much Mm -hmm. so we seek out what's a vibrational match just in that way so I find in many ways by not openly expressing who I am a lot or pushing who I am upon others that they come and have the experience with me that they're meant to so those that see me as a teacher Mm -hmm. and those that see me as sexually evolved and those who see me as powerful will feel it and that Mm -hmm. is that's what converts it's not actually me having great funnels and great landing pages and great marketing. It's actually <laughs> something beyond. And they're like, I just know it's you. And I'm like, I know. I know it's you too. <laughs> right. It's just this thing that's so beyond like the standard marketing mm-hmm. world. It's just this in and knowing mm-hmm. like, oh shit, you're my teacher. And whether that's a soul contract that we've had from past lifetimes to say, all right, see you in that lifetime at that point when you're ready for these teachings. And you know, I've felt those people who've been my life that way too. It's just like oh, I know it's you. I know it's you to teach Mm -hmm. me, to take me on this next step. And that, like, in many ways, I do believe in free will, but in many ways it feels like that destiny point of, like, okay, well, there's no point in even saying no to this. (laughs) Like, every part of my soul knows that it's this path, even if that doesn't make sense to my mind, or even if financially it seems blocked, or all those human Mm -hmm. levels. You know, it doesn't matter what the human level is saying, the soul is saying that's the pathway. So for me, when I found those teachers that have – super high integrity I feel very seen by them as well because they're operating through Mm -hmm. the same systems and it's just Mm -hmm. like I don't know you kind of click into each other like your eye gazes hit each other over the heads of everyone else and it's like hello you Mm -hmm. (laughs) what are we doing and it's really like
1: (laughs) it's stepping out of the matrix framework of Mm -hmm. business and of healing. and I really had to learn that when I first entered entered business with with Chantel, because because it was always around the energetics, and it's not how many people mm-hmm. we get. It's like, do we get the right people, who mm-hmm. one have the the willingness, but two actually the capacity to dive to the depths of which our containers hold, because it's not for yeah. everyone. And yeah. so we attract people who are like very committed, deep soul seekers that are ready mm-hmm. to look at every like leave no stone unturned to really transform. In, into the truth of who they are and that's just not where exactly. everyone's at it, at any point in time exactly. so that that's been a journey and then the people that we work with in our team you know it it's amazing because we have to train them to be like guys it's not about yes it's about money and sales of course we're honoring that and the abundance and the, lux- and the energy of luxury in that but first and foremost it's always being in alignment with the energetics of something and I mm-hmm. absolutely love and adore and Raven and respect her Chantel for the way that that's always the primary mm-hmm. motivating force and everything comes second to that And like it just makes me feel exactly. safe and relieved that we can function in business in that way exactly
0: exactly it's definitely new paradigm business and there's a lot of mm-hmm. fears that you have to break down that are associated I don't like the word matrix but I use it a lot too because it does actually very effectively describe the energetics and the mechanics mm-hmm. of the collective consciousness of humanity <laughs> and mm-hmm. actually there's been a couple of times in meditation where I have dropped to the level of awareness of seeing the matrix and feeling the matrix and it terrified me and I immediately pulled myself out and I was like ah! and my yeah. who the woman who became my godmom essentially, essentially will call her a spiritual mentor I looked at her and she was sitting there in meditation with a smile on her face and I'm like it's okay, you're safe, Erin, and I closed my eyes and I dropped in again Mm. and I saw it as quite green, like Mm -hmm. uh, very similar to the Matrix that we, you know, the uh, movie, that kind of very vivid Mm. green, and I saw it as a – what would you call that? Like a grid, a three-dimensional grid, but the things that were running along the grid was frequencies that if my consciousness kind of butted up against it on the left-hand side of my awareness – through my left eye, not my physical eye, but my conscious, my spiritual eye, these images and colors started pounding into that eye at such a speed of like Mm -hmm. stuff that I hadn't even seen or like my brain had never processed before. And I'd like woof, and I'd pull back and I'd disconnect from that. And then I'd kind of float to a different stream and it would come in through my right ear and it sounds that I've never heard before and songs that I've never heard before. And it's like, whoa. And I was just like floating around in this dimension of like seeing this grid of information and mm-hmm. i don't think that they're in the matrix and we're not in the matrix we're all ultimately living this multi-dimensional existence but i can see the grids that other people are connected into which i once was you know i was born very much into that kind of reality with very unconscious parents who told me that god is a bad word and like super scientific, like three generations of scientists, of which we were only really bred to be scientists. <laughs> and here wow. I was at five wanting to be a nun and wanting to go to Sunday school and like seeking God. And I remember when I was about, I don't know, maybe 35 or something. And I my marriage had ended. I'd started my big pilgrimage around the world. And I went back and saw my mum at one point And she said to me, you know what, sweetheart? Jehovah's Witnesses came to the door the other day and I spoke to them. I spoke to them. <laughs> that's because of you. <laughs> I was
1: like, wow, good on
0: your mum. They're proud, human beings. And baby so baby you baby. should. Like, what the fuck? But it tells you the level of resistance and rejection they had to religious people or spiritual people. So that's how I was raised. And so a lot of that inner knowing and spiritual seeking kind of got numbed out of me by mm. falling for the shit that society tells us by watching mtv growing up and living in the heroin chic era when i was a teenager and you know just all those ways that society impresses these messages upon us that tells us what's important and what success looks like and if we're to grow then we're going to have status we're going to have money we're going to have fame we're going to have wealth and actually on the spiritual plane as my spirit started really growing those things went backwards for a while and that's a fucking terrifying place to be in to think Mm -hmm. oh my god i'd You know, I'd been married, I'd owned my home from 24. I'd I'd had all these like very human level achievements that were all dissolving before my eyes. And then I really had to question, am I successful? Am I safe? Am I like a failure? But actually when I started to decondition from the matrix and start to live from that spiritual level, you'd see my spiritual ascension just going through the fucking roof. And that's now where I place my worth and my value in my spirit not in what happens outside of me not in how many instagram followers i have or mm, you know like how much so people beautiful. recognize me in the street yeah it's been a, and I love a the, challenging I love journey the,
1: yeah of course of course and i love that visual of of your experience of the matrix as well because if you just zoom out and that's the energy frequency that we're all holding held in on the globe spiritual Mm -hmm. not spiritual plugged in plugged out and it's like how do we work with that for me it's not like Mm -hmm. the separating from the matrix that is divine Mm -hmm. as well that is part of the human experience as well so how do we navigate that and what i see and feel in myself and my um, clients as well is it's just there's so much conditioning and penetration of the psyche Mm -hmm which is mm-hmm. going against actually who we are and and yes. what is truth. And so exactly. that's why I love these modalities like Tantra and meditation and just such a wealth of, of spiritual wisdom that's accessible to us now on the planet. It's all just completely simplifying it all and saying, how can we come back and live from our hearts and our truth? And it's mm-hmm. ironic that we're, com- you know, we need to look for spirituality and look outside of ourselves for the answers. But for me, mm-hmm. the the path that I always say yes to is the one that takes me home to a deeper knowing within myself. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a relief after decades of being in so much confusion of how to navigate life and, like, what is mm-hmm. truth? And am I getting it right or am I getting it wrong or is this my tradition or that my tradition? Just to be mm-hmm. find a modality that actually now I can deeply trust myself and my inner knowing to navigate mm-hmm. whatever comes in, up in life. It's like I've got the mm-hmm. tools to navigate it all. And for me, that safety, which I think every human on mm-hmm. this being on this planet is the foundational energetic that we're all looking for in some shape, mm-hmm. way, or form. And when mm-hmm. we finally find it in our capacity to hold ourselves through any part of the human experience—being a mm-hmm. being left by a partner, being as someone dying, being a financial instability. When we know that we can hold ourselves through it all and actually have the tools to process that, we've, mm. we've we're there because mm-hmm. because we're life's always going to be challenging. That we're always going to be in this flow of ease and chaos, of being in more sympathetic tone versus parasympathetic tone. And you know, I love the def one of the definitions of the word tantra means technique. So it's all just based on techniques and tools and practices that if we do enough and we see the metamorphosis in our life, we start to embody that and become that. So there's no mm. externalization of our power. There's no externalization of our self-worth and our love. It's all just pointing back to ourselves.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've been thinking about that word a lot lately as well, cultivation, because I'm not a, um, what would you, I'm. I would say I'm not, dedicated to daily practices that's not been my path it's not something that i enjoy and yet i can see the power of cultivation and what's happening in our nervous system and our energetics and our capacity when we do devote ourselves to that path Mm -hmm. whatever that is for us for me i know it's Mm -hmm. no one path there is no one path that has ever truly felt complete to me i remember Mm -hmm. probably like six or seven years ago having this very profound healing with a beautiful kundalini rising I felt it go all the way up to my crown and then when it reached my crown I felt actually the presence of the divine masculine tell me now watch this watch me bring it downwards and I remember looking at my inner child in this healing and we're like oh let's try that (laughs) Mm. brought the downward flow and once those two connected it created the most dynamic field of one of the the strongest presence of oneness I've ever had And I remember thinking, this is what making love with God is. It's making love Mm -hmm. we use synonymously for sex. But actually, what I understood was making love is generating the frequency of love through our vessel, through our spiritual connection. And then all casual sex is so fucking redundant. You just want to, like, sweep everyone out of your field. Like, no, I'm going to go and make love with God. Thank you very much. And I was in that space and I've always had so much resistance to Tantra. And I was like, Oh God, does this mean I need to study Tantra now? (laughs) God said, understanding sex through Tantra is like trying to understand God through church. And I thought, fuck, that describes it for me perfectly. When people take these very divine understandings of things far beyond what our human consciousness can truly comprehend and when it gets minimised down into one thing and it says, this is it, you know, how many churches say we are the one true path to God? And it's like, well, you have Mm -hmm. truth contained in that, yes. But truth extends beyond that and also in these paradoxical contrasting way truth also exists. So another religion completely opposite to you also has truth in it. And I saw in that moment that the experiences of Tantra that I've had through other people, or like, I shouldn't say the experience of Tantra, when I meet other people who say that they're Tantric or they talk about Tantric principles, I have that same kind of feeling of like this restriction. I'm like, yes, and. Yes, it's those things, and it's so much more than that. And because my personal sexual expression is BDSM, I am yet to find, actually, it's not true. I have one one person who I would say is highly tantric and identifies as a tantric practitioner as well, who shares the same sexual expression as me, as varied and as vast and as dark and taboo and kinky as me. And I have had so many experiences with tantric people who say to me, like, oh, you do what? I'm like, oh, oh what do you? Wh-? And their nose turns up and I'm like, <laughs> if I did not have the sexual confidence that I have right now, That's a really powerful (gasps) response that you're having. You know, like that's that's what we in the BDSM world call king shaming. It's when someone else takes my sexual expression, filters it through their own consciousness and says, oh, no, that's not for me. But Mm. actually, I believe as sexual practitioners, we should never be filtering it through our own consciousness. It's not about our personal preferences. It's not about our personal sexual expression. It's about holding space for the safety for someone else to find theirs and i look at these people and i'm like too bad if you've got kinky people in your midst because you are yeah. perpetually shutting them down you're contributing to you know the biggest problem that we have in society which is sexual shame that's my opinion yes. anyway the biggest problem that we uh. have when it comes to sexuality is shame and the misuse of the energy yes you know it's been used in yes. very destructive ways and it's certainly dark sexual energy i i had that resistance myself too i misunderstood a lot of it but it's like that typical homophobe that was gay that hates homophobia I hated kink mm-hmm. because I was so damn kinky <laughs> and all the projected ever been put that. upon me yeah I just couldn't understand why anyone wanted to be violent in the world or like there's so much darkness on the planet you know I was one of those spiritual people who just chases the light who thinks that all things light are good and that this is that we're here yeah. to eradicate the dark forces on the planet, and I'm like, well, we're actually not, mm-hmm. and we need both. And there's a healthy use of the dark and a healthy relationship with the dark. Exactly, and of course, there's an unhealthy one, just as there is with the light. So yeah, that's. And my I think that gets really
1: that gets really confused as well. Is this whole thing of dark and is dark and this fear around mm-hmm. dark energy, but actually, a, a dark energy um, is the emotional body, is the sexual body, which is power. That's why sexuality is so shame. Just think of it. The mm-hmm. energy creates new life on the planet. If mm-hmm. we were to use, utilize that, not just for procreation, but for, for actually expanding our nervous system and expanding into profound states of oneness and connection with self, beloved, and God, we become pretty fucking unstoppable when we have that mm-hmm. much life force energy pumping through our body and we're moving it through our whole body. It's the great Mm -hmm. for me, it's one of the greatest healing modalities I've experienced. Same.
0: Same So it comes with orgasms. So I'm like, fucking give me the growth. That also comes with pleasure. (laughs) I grind through some of pain in daily life. (laughs) There's
1: resistance to on our planet. There's resistance to pleasure. And then so dark energy isn't the problem, it's shadow dark. And as Carl Jung, who termed the phrase shadow, shadow is just unconscious. So you can mm-hmm. get a shadow light energy as well, mm-hmm. which in its kind of more extreme nature is priests, you know, molesting mm-hmm. and or raping temple boys
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and churches and religions killing in the name of God. Mm-hmm. But you can get dark energy in shadow as well, which is where that like yeah. cla- the dark energy of claiming and ravishing and speaking truth and fierce love, mm-hmm. when that goes into shadow, it's the rapist it's the murderer so there's so much constriction around dark energy and yet sexually that that's that's the energy that is so missing and that women are like going oh i just pretty much i just want to experience the dark masculine and men are going oh i mm-hmm. just want to experience the dark feminine so it's an energy that's missing mm-hmm. in a lot of love making because in mm-hmm. shadow it's so violent and that's where mm-hmm. bdsm is also great because it's tapping into those dark energies but playing with them in a way that there's safety created around that to explore the full mm-hmm. spectrum of, of dark energy.
0: Yeah, exactly. For me, the dark is like, it's the void, it's the womb, it's where the seed is planted, it's the you know unified field. It is the most expansive and in that way, very terrifying. Cause if any of us stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon, and went to lean in a little bit of course we want to pull back you know our first response to that is like Uh "Fuck no!" (laughs) so when you come across a very vast very dark sexual woman there i get a lot of that like pulling back fuck no it's terrifying for people and i remember the first times that i truly Uh energetically let that energy out which i would call primal energy it terrified the shit out of me too it was so so powerful and i realized in that moment if we released it and every human being on this planet right now would be in fucking chaos and the planet will erupt in three days like
1: <laughs>
0: the, the integrity that is required the nervous system strengthening that is required all yeah. the energy and be able to be very confident and this is the same as kundalini and why i'm not really a fan of <clears throat> people forcing their kundalini ascension because if you mm-hmm, like, have a, you. a fire hose with absolute maximum strength but you don't have the muscular strength to hold that fire hose it is this destructive force you know it's yeah. just flapping about all over the place and that's the same with our primal dark sexual energies like i needed my dominant as i started to let it out and he would let me take the lead i guess you'd say or like turn into that ravenous dark beast And then he would dominate me back and put me back in my place. And I was like, yes, please make me small. (laughs) Like I actually needed someone else to hold the container first. And then the more that I would let that out, the more I trusted myself to use it and how to use it and knew my edges, which actually don't exist, (laughs) but I was okay with that. But yeah, I thought the world is not ready for this kind of energy yet. You know, the world Mm -hmm. the the same the purity of the energy is there and the intensity of the energy is there but the vessel through which it comes has got to have the capacity and the strength to be able to hold it and then wield it wisely and wield it constructively and not destructively. yeah absolutely
1: Mm, amazing
0: (laughs) (laughs) may i ask a personal question what's your relationship with bdsm if you wish to answer
1: Um, it's not a strong one my sexual more of my kind of sexual signature is is energetic Mm -hmm. in terms of like the different expressions so my Mm -hmm. top sexual sexual expression is energetic so for me if Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in front of someone I can be Mm -hmm. getting energetically penetrated Mm -hmm. just through Mm -hmm. the combining energetics of that however I've also not um increasingly through my various relationship stages and now I'm in a relationship with a man who meets me on all levels for the first time in my life. Thank you, spirit. And which means <laughs> that I can surrender to his masculine because he has such a cultivated mm-hmm. dark masculine. And mm-hmm. in that space, I just want to be dominated because it's the mm-hmm. deepest place of surrender that my feminine mm-hmm. can go to. And that can happen just by the way that he looks at me, yeah. just by the way that he holds my wrist, or just by the way yeah. that he speaks. Yeah. So it's, I love it. My feminine just will fully surrender because I feel so mm-hmm. safe with him. And I just, in that space, want to be fucked to God through him.
0: Yeah. Exactly, And I
1: love all expressions, you know, I love playing with all the archetypes, whether it's the more warrior Mm -hmm. primal energy that I've really owned Mm -hmm. in myself, that just, Mm -hmm. like you said, that ravenous beast that just wants to consume Mm -hmm. and be consumed, Mm -hmm. or whether it's the softer feminine, more lover energy, or the priestess and the mystic, which I love peeking out in when I'm bringing the energy up Mm -hmm. and really consciously connecting Mm -hmm. to source. And also like what I like to call the erotic mother and father archetype where there's just this tenderness Mm -hmm. of like Mm -hmm. soul family and togetherness and being as a team. That's just, I find Mm -hmm. so sexy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. These are all aspects of BDSM too. And I I would say kinky is absolutely dominant for me, but my energetic is still very strong. And I would say true Mm -hmm. dominance is exactly that. It's a simple gaze. It's the presence. Like I've had men, try to dominate me before i just have a little chuckle on the inside my <laughs> that's not even yeah, close like, but thanks for playing yeah. the game thanks for acting <laughs> because yeah. when i fucking when i get that gaze from the people who have held true dominance over me oh my god you start to melt on the inside and you're like oh, i'm helpless to this i'm just melting now <laughs> like we yeah, haven't even yeah absolutely you know we're on the other side of the room and it's already starting to happen um, which is my favourite. That's mm-hmm. my favourite realm of BDSM actually is those very subtle energetics and that we only use the body as a means to go further into the energetics. Whereas surely mm-hmm. at a level of consciousness. It's like everything, right?
1: They're, yeah, yeah. there can be shadow aspects of BDSM. There can be shadow aspects yeah. of tantrums. Like and what even we just shallow
0: you know like just having a shallow relationship with it it's not that it's bad by any means but they haven't yet cultivated the subtle awareness in them to be able to be working with the energetics and to be able to penetrate each other with our energy so some people go in and they do just use the body and they're satisfied just using the body and that's great for me (laughs) yeah i'm like it has to be mental and emotional and physical and spiritual like and then that's where the true amazing transformation happens so I am aware that not everyone stepping into these worlds is going to find the people that can go there with them. I think that comes back to being able to identify Mm -hmm. who are our teachers, like who are our partners. It's the same thing. We need to be able to sense beyond just how someone's presenting themselves because anyone can say anything to you. Someone can say, Mm -hmm. yeah, sure, I'm a primal dominant. And I'm like, no, you're not. But thanks for trying. (laughs) Like I'm more dominant than you, but we're all good. (laughs) Yeah, and essentially we're just
1: working. Go for
0: it. I was going to say, if we can take away what anyone has told us and then you sense and you feel into that person and that's where you find your truth. That's where you'll find whether someone's compatible, not by how toned their body is and, you know, how much they can speak the good language because you can meet a lot of people and certainly I've met people who are very devoted to the Tantra pathway and it's a very intellectual thing. You know, they they Uh can really, they've, they've learned a lot and they can speak a lot. But that's very different from someone who's genuinely cultivated and energetically who doesn't need to speak anymore. And I think the Mm -hmm. real truth lies in people beyond what they're saying and what are their energetics telling you at any given time because the energetics don't lie. Our ability to perceive it can be tainted. Like we can't just say, well, I know this is truth because I feel this from that person. It's like, well, that's your interpretation. But someone's energetics, Mm -hmm. no one can fake this stuff. You know, No one can fake their true surrender. That's the other thing, what it takes for women to actually reach that point of surrender, that level of safety, as you say. But you can still provide a woman with all the fucking safety in the world, like your partner, for example, everything that he surrounds you in that gives you those godlike experiences, he can offer that to another woman. And if she's not willing, if she hasn't softened and and done enough in her work to really be ready to receive that or want to receive that, Mm it doesn't matter. You can put all the love and safety in the world around her. One of my previous partners, he had... um, Done like a live-in program with David Data for a year, and he was so good. Like the first time I met him on Zoom, he was up in Ubud, and I was down here in Chengdu, and I could literally feel him reach through the screen, grab my heart, and bring me to the ground. Like as soon as we saw each other, we basically dropped into just gazing and breathing to, with each other for two and a half minutes. It was just like, mm-hmm. it was like Fuck. someone just silenced Aaron Kiner. Wow. <laughs> how many people have that capacity so he was so so good at those subtle energetics and I remember he was quite a bit older than me a couple of decades older and I said something about you know I wish that women of that older generation could also be loved this well and I have some resistance with older men always chasing younger partners and that comes from my Mm -hmm. own scarcity about getting older and my own fears about what's available to us as we start to age and he was like Yes, and I am open and available to love women of my own age as well. He's like, But Aaron, sometimes you give a woman all the love in the world and when you reach inside her it's still shards of glass. And I was like, mm-hmm. Fuck, that's so poetic and so accurate. Like our job to be able to receive that kind of love and safety. It's not their job to to give us love and safety. It's our job to cultivate the willingness to go there and our own enough safety within our open and trust what will then be reflected outside of us through what we can attract. But, you know, I think there's a very big story, and you've probably heard it in Bali a lot, that there's no good men out there. (laughs) (laughs) It's like one of the most, and I do get it, that the feminine is very awakened on the planet at this time. I genuinely believe we do have more awakened females than men because of what's happening on the planet on the larger scale at the moment. We are given more privileges to be vulnerable I think because of male privilege, we've worked harder for what we have. I find a lot of women willing to do that deep inner work. And I also think that comes down to birthing children, actually, because we have this knowing that for the hardest thing we'll ever do physically is the greatest reward. So we're almost hardwired to be willing to do tough things in the name of love. And Mm -hmm. I think the patriarchy, unfortunately, does an injustice to men who can avoid some of the deeper inner work because they have some Mm -hmm. senses of power and some, you know, like Mm -hmm. ways that they can avoid that inner work. So I really do feel privileged to be a woman in this lifetime at this time and doing this work. And I I understand that story and I understand how Mm -hmm. true that can feel for people that there are no good men or they're not feeling fully met. Like you said, this is the first time in your life. Well, that was my
1: experience, yeah, and when I left my previous relationship, What I noticed is my grieving process was very different this time where I was grieving how I wasn't met. And I realized that I hadn't fully been met, not from my father or through any of my relationships. So I didn't have the nervous system memory of what that even was like. So I started working with an energetic process, which was really simple of just breathing in and visualizing what would it feel like to be fully met. And that's when I first really saw resistance to pleasure which I think mm. is actually almost bigger epidemic than resistance to pain. They both go hand in mm. hand. And through doing that every day, and I still need to do it for the relationship that I'm in, being like, wow, I had the belief, I'm living in Bali, as you said, there's so many conscious women, there's no good men. And I just had to keep trusting the energetics of my being mm-hmm. and the integrity mm-hmm. of my being that just keeps evolving, evolving, evolving. And, and I co-lived with my my um, ex-partner for a month after the separation the day that I moved out the next morning at 8am my new partner rocked up on my front doorstep and as soon as I saw <laughs> him I knew and the synchronicities <laughs> are like I could do a celebrating one-hour that podcast celebrating on that. our meeting <laughs> and we'd actually being we'd both come to Bali at the same time we both lived in Canggu for a year we both mm. went to the same places every day and never met never each passed other each once other.
0: Fuck, I and mean i was these like, like there's, there's all the no time. one it's, so magical. it's not
1: possible and then but when your being is ready and i called it and mm-hmm. i did my whole list of everything that i wanted to manifest in a person what i did differently this time is to expand my nervous system into receiving that mm. and it's a constant expanding of my nervous system into what would it feel like to be fully met because my nervous system is so geared to not being fully that. so that's the other half mm-hmm. of of the inner work is to recalibrate Mm -hmm. the nervous system into that state
0: yes and i also think when i share stories like this with many of my clients and friends there needs to be an open-mindedness of how good it can get like i have one friend in america who says that you know her man is conscious and he certainly proposes that he's a conscious man and preaches that he's a conscious man online but the way that he and her fight behind closed doors is absolutely nowhere near conscious. You know, it's very childlike. It's very wounded. It's, they get lost in all the fucking, this drives me crazy when people use all the conscious language, but actually they're Mm -hmm. just like fighting like little kids. And I'm like, that feels like mental gymnastics. And it drives me fucking crazy. Like, just say less. Like you can't talk your way out of the fact that you're actually super triggered and behaving badly right now. So she Mm -hmm. was telling me some of the things that, he, well, I actually, I was explaining something that my previous partner did and how profound it was, how dominant it was, how lovingly dominant it was, and how powerfully it changed me. And she was just like, Holy shit, I could not imagine my man doing that. He would say to me, you know, da, 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 snap back at her if she'd asked for something like that. And it's almost like without strong masculine role models on the planet, we have all accepted less for ourselves than what we truly want because we think that's as good as it gets. Or we have this idea yeah. that benchmark is actually really quite low for what we can experience in the masculine because collectively in humanity at this time we don't have that many elders, really yeah. matured, heart-centered masculine role models for men. Which is why yeah. I think people like Andrew Tate has a massive following is because there's yeah. this yearning for leadership in no way yeah. do I think that he's the leader which you'd turn to because I cannot feel his heart at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But mm-hmm. the way that the world is responding to that is telling us, like, the world is begging for strong masculine leadership. So I mm-hmm. see a lot of women also settling or accepting less for themselves, as did I, because there was that's as good as you thought it could get or you actually think it's better than what most people are getting so it looks good. But actually, if we can truly, like, we also need to meet the mirror of it. That's the other thing is to do just as much work on our feminine too and not to be operating from our immature and wounded feminine to not be codependent or passive aggressive and not try and lash out in, in pain. But actually, you know, I completely honor that most of us are carrying pain and trauma from this lifetime as being a woman, but to not shoot that forward to someone else in anger, Mm. in pain, like sure. A lot of men have hurt us, but if we're using our pain to try and hurt them back, then we're stuck at that wounded level if we can instead open wide and reveal that we're in a lot of pain and we're carrying a lot of pain, but we're not making it, uh, not making an attempt to hurt them in return, then we really invite people to step into our space. So I think ultimately we have to do the work on our feminine to, to be the mirror, to be worthy of that quality of man that we desire. B, we have to absolutely believe that it's possible, even if we haven't seen it. And I love that you say that you were just training a nervous system for it before it even came into your reality to like, to know on that deeply embodied level, like, yes, it's possible. Like, I feel like that too. If we're this committed to the path of relationship, we will absolutely have the love that we desire. I don't believe God puts that desire in our heart to the degree. If it's not on our path in this lifetime, it's almost like the desire inside me is so strong and I need it to be that way to get through so much shit in this lifetime to undo so many patterns and so much collective stuff, so much ancestral stuff, like, we absolutely have to believe that that kind of love is possible.
1: And there's one extra step there with what you're saying. I love everything that you just shared. And this is where the law of reflection comes in in a huge way, is that women actually need to cultivate their masculine. Mm -hmm. So in order for us to be more healthy in our feminine and not projecting onto our partner and emotionally dumping onto them, it's because we don't have a cultivated masculine within ourselves that can hold our emotional body. Mm-hmm. So rather than rather than being able to hold ourselves in our pain and to let that out on a cushion. So if I'm triggered, I will beat the shit out of cushion, I will scream, I will cry, I will rage, I will grieve, I will shake in fear, and I'll see what's beneath that. Because mm. it's very rarely all to do with what's presenting. And by doing Mm. so and holding that container of safety from our own masculine, we get to drop beneath the layers all the way back to our our childhood, which is where, Mm -hmm. as you know, it all originates from. And in doing so, when we can hold that for ourselves, then this is where it gets truly fascinating is, yes, men need more male role models. Then men have it twice as hard. They're feminine, they're inner feminine because we both have inner masculine and feminine. Their inner feminines are just scared little girls hiding in the corner Mm -hmm. of their being because Mm -hmm. it's so socially unacceptable for them to connect with their feminines. But to be two whole beings coming together, to be in oneness, in female bodies we need to have internally 50% cultivation of our masculine or 50% of our feminine. For men, fifty percent masculine, fifty percent feminine. In relating, we want to be about eighty percent in our feminine, and then they want to be the same in masculine to create polarity. And sometimes that switches. Clear some heteronormativity
0: out of that. Yes.
1: (laughs) Sometimes that switches. Being in a
0: female body doesn't necessarily mean feminine.
1: (laughs) Sometimes that switches. Exactly. And the polarity and shift. So being in a female Mm -hmm. body, there are relationships that work because the female is more in the masculine or the yang energy and the man is more in the yin, female energy. And whether it's same-sex couples, people who identify as LGBTQ, it does not matter. It's polarity of yin and yang that creates a polarity. But what, Mm -hmm. what is really misunderstood is actually a male's feminine is where his emotional body becomes cultivated, is where his feeling body is where he learns to ask for his needs that he's having to hold for himself. But as women, if we can start to learn to cultivate our masculine to hold our own feminine, guess what? We get to do that for men as well, for their feminine. And that's Which I personally where we love.
0: Right. it's very attractive what, to me but I, I was a lesbian I was a lesbian for 13 years so for me my attraction to the feminine is strong I know a lot of women their idea of the masculine is so limited and also so patriarchalized if that's even a word <laughs> that they don't want to see a man in his weak and feminine and I understand that because they need well, the safety. Is the like safety outside of themselves
1: The problem is the age of of a man's feminine, which mostly is a very immature feminine. So you know how you're explaining that in a woman. In a man, it's exactly the same. She's a needy little bitch. She's a victim. She's constantly whinging, nagging, shaming, blaming. And when a man's feminine starts to come online, she'll often polarize into the unhealthy which is really hard to hold in relationship. Mm -hmm. One, it's super unsexy. Two, women are just like, oh, you know, I don't want to hold that. But the more Mm -hmm. that as women, our masculines are cultivated and we can see that she's just in her wounding, is feminine, that we cannot take that personally and actually hold it and create safety Mm -hmm. and not react, but say, hey, Mm -hmm. I feel you. What do you
0: need right now?
1: Because underneath every emotional reaction, is an unmet need. Mm. And but I must can say there's ask... many
0: people that can't identify it, and even me at my level of awareness. There's times when people say, what do you need right now? And I'm like, that's a really good question and I can't accurately tell you. I cannot. So then it's so just I, I need
1: think... space to feel into what I need. I need time to feel into what I need. Potentially. Potentially. But mm.
0: I also think that we as, well, given that I was a lesbian for 13 years, I'm very attracted to the feminine, more so than mo- most women are. So for me, the only men that I date are ones with a cultivated feminine. I, I call them a hybrid. Mm. I need a man on the outside with a woman on the inside. <laughs> well, that's wholeness deep homeness heart. Exactly. And that matches my spectrum and, and duality. You know, I have so much masculine energy in many ways. I feel that my masculine is the most dominant in the room, the most matured in the room at any given time. And that's difficult for men to be around if they're in any way not. Oh, Sorry, what everyone doesn't know is that we have a kitten joining us for podcasting today and it's been a good ah! little kitten and sleeping, <laughs> but we're waking up now. Um, yeah. When men haven't also haven't cultivated that masculine, then they're very threatened by other like sources of masculinity outside of them if they take that as a threat rather than feeling collaborative and that's the same with the feminine as well but yeah for me I'm only attracted to the men that have done that kind of work because or like I also think it's more in their nature truly the men that I'm attracted to they just have more feminine energy like I wouldn't say I'm a 50 50 person (laughs) I am 100 and 100 I have the capacity of two whole fucking people inside of me and when I'm in my masculine and this yeah, my word for the year is daddy <laughs> I'm oh, very I happy like to be my that. masculine this year <laughs> and <laughs> I said oh god I can't fuck all the women like it's a lot of pressure I see what they need and I know I can give it to them and I can't give it to all of them like they are yearning to get fucked well by the masculine but I'm like god it's too much <laughs> so rather i'm committed to helping men find that place inside of themselves as well do whatever work it is to be able to provide for the feminine and for the feminine to do that work to be able to receive that from the masculine beautiful but yeah, we I have love very, very warped and twisted ideas of masculine and feminine on the planet at this time we have a lot of work to do <laughs> speaking yeah. of which do you want to share more about what it looks like being a Tantra practitioner and what that means and what you guys offer in terms of Tantra practitioner training. Mm, Yeah, thanks.
1: Really, I mean, it's a one year training and there's, there's two key aspects. One is the tools and techniques for each individual to use any time that they're triggered from any part of the human experience. So the tools and techniques of how to process your own trauma, your own emotional body. So whether it's with the inner child, the masculine issues, feminine issues, sexuality, relationship issues, sexual trauma, whatever it is, it, it covers the entire spectrum of the human experience. And it uses body-based work through breath, sound and movement. So there's no strong penetration of consciousness with plant medicine. It's actually using our innate body's wisdom to go through the layers and access unconscious trauma that's still trapped in our nervous system, which still keeps us limited in terms of what we're attracting in our life until that can be cleared. So that's really the journey. It's a huge inner journey. And it's all the tools that I've used to be now where I am at in my life, which is a very long way away from where I was pre-Tantra and then it's how to hold that with a client and the best way to be able to hold it with a client is to be a living transmission of it which is yeah. back to that integrity piece mm-hmm. and you know we have a lot of people doing the training because they just want to learn to master the human experience themselves what I mm-hmm. find naturally happens is that people start to go what do you do can you help me can you support me in this how did you move through that um but mm-hmm. certainly we have practitioners who've been through the training and that that's kind of what they do full time now and Mm -hmm. rather than it being like a coaching more therapeutic model which is just the mind it combines therapy with um some breath work with somatic release with a large base in shamanism and all put in a tantric
0: context Mm, amazing As something that popped into my mind just then based on both of our perspectives about the teacher. Um, Something that I heard yesterday was the importance of separating the teachings from the teacher, which I also Mm -hmm. think is so valid, given that there are so many teachers on the planet at this time without the integrity that we're looking for, there is potentially still wisdom that comes through them. I'm sure Andrew Tate has some sort of wisdom that's a benefit Mm -hmm. it's very hard for me to remove the teachings from the teacher in that context but there are times also in which someone else can still be working through their shit especially as a space holder like we're not perfect and we're not masters of life yet we're on the path and we're devoted to it and we're committed to it but it's also important not to be put on pedestals and not to put teachers and other people on a pedestal and think they're greater than you but recognize they're human too and mm-hmm. we can deliver wisdom even when we've got shit going on. You know, like over the last year mm-hmm. and a half, I went through a really intense trauma, a sexual assault, and I still had clients mm. in that time. And I really, I'm so grateful for those clients who could see me in my humanness and see me in my trauma and still choose to work with me and still get value from me and still actually provide. I, I believe every client bring, is of service to me as much as I am to them. And right. And we are equally <laughs> transforming through our commitment to being in the container And I look at those clients and I'm just so fucking grateful because they were able to still see that there's value, even though I'm not anywhere near my best at that time. You know, while my capacity to hold space was so limited, I could only work a couple of hours a week. And so now I'm on the other side of that and feeling strong as hell and it's great. But yeah, I think that's just another piece that I wanted to mention around the integrity. It's like, yes, it's important to have integrous teachers and and be also just allow people to be human and elicit mm-hmm. what you can take the goodness out of it if you disagree if the teacher is not perfectly in line with your you know model of the world that's okay there's still goodness to be found and lessons to be learned every step of the way yeah so, and i love
1: that whole phrase of having a sieve to sieve out what doesn't work for you and then to keep the jewels mm-hmm. of what does because everyone's truth is their unique truth
0: which mm-hmm. isn't a one so is size your... fits all is your practitioner training in person or online? It's online. Oh, that's good.
1: And so we anyone, have, anywhere?
0: Yeah. Amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. and it, it relates to the person one-on-one hands-on sessions and it also relates to uh, online. I would say about 80% of my clients are actually online, so I'm guiding them through breath, sound and movement in their own body. Just Amazing. as powerful.
0: Amazing. Mm. Oh, well, thank you so much for being here. If people want to find you, what's the best pathways to find you?
1: Um, either on social media, um, Tara Megan or the Embodied Awakening Academy, there's a website, there's an Instagram page and all the offerings are there. They wanting Amazing. to Amazing.
0: So, practitioner tantra. training will be found through Embodied Awakening website and Instagram. Uh, yeah, which, of course, embodiedawakeningacademy.com links are in the bio as always (laughs) as they are oh thank you from me and the kitten we'll see if the kitten wants to say hello into the microphone oh hello hello thank you for being here tara so nice to connect thank you for sharing your wisdom and everyone else until next time bye i hope you enjoyed this episode of romantic hardcore and as always i'd love to hear from you find me via instagram at erin kiner and come and share the love let me know what you loved what triggered you what questions you have i want to know it all make sure you subscribe and share this episode and until next time laugh loud and fuck louder